listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today I'm really excited to bring you a conversation with Michael Fullen. As Tom would say, Michael is Canada's gift to education. For half a century and with 45 books to his credit, Michael has been the world's most persistent and persuasive advocate for powerful learning experiences. Michael is encouraged by the global momentum he sees with whole systems adopting deep learning strategies and policies. If you've been on our blog recently, you've seen that we have started a project around rethinking the high school credential. We knew we had to ask Michael about this topic and decided to share it with you as well. Listen in as he outlines signs of progress and describes why he thinks the focus should be life readiness rather than college and career readiness. Enjoy. Michael Fullen, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you, but a uh, pleasure to be here with you, Tom. Michael, you grew up in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, in a hockey-playing family of six younger brothers, so we uh, grew up here in Toronto. I'm still based here. Where did you go to high school? I went to a Catholic high school in Toronto. It's called St. Michael's High School. So then I went on to university at Toronto and eventually did a Ph.D. in sociology. Was it in... High school or college that your your deep interest in education was formed? It was uh, even later, I guess I would say. It was, um, um, I would be called a late bloomer in those times, but I came, I did my Ph.D. in sociology. It still was not in education per se. It was in social development and those things. So uh, it was one of those situations where I never got going until I had my first job when, uh, you you probably know OISE, as we call it, the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education, which was established in the late 60s as part of uh, a big new research and development institute with graduate school. So I started there in 68, and then I, uh, I, I was kind of in the ground floor in the concept of implementation. I helped shape it, and everything I learned, I learned through practice, basically. Well, I... I call you Canada's uh, gift to the world of, of education. Uh, I, I've counted uh, over 30 books that you've written or co-authored. I, I suspect it's more than that. Have you kept track? Yeah, I, have, I actually had to keep track because uh, Rutledge, the publisher, commissioned last year my uh, professional autobiography. So I wrote that. Uh, it just came out uh, three weeks ago. Uh, oh. Publisher is, is Rutledge, and it's called uh, Surreal Change. Uh, my, it's sort of based on uh, figuring out it's not the the subtitle is the real life of transforming public education. So I had fun with it because I went back to you know, my early years and all of my years of development. So yeah, I think it's about forty five books. But that professional autobiography enabled me uh-huh. to say, what was it like in the 70s? What was it like in the 80s, the 90s? Uh, you know, it's, it's covering 40 years, basically, the 2000 to 2010, and now the current decade we're in. So it really was, I, I recalled a lot of things I didn't think I knew, but once I got going, it, it's uh, it's great. So it's an interesting read, people tell me. I am looking forward to that. Uh, Michael, I remember Change Forces, uh, Probing the Depths of Education Reform. That came out in... 1993, and for a, a new superintendent in the uh, 90s, like me, it was uh, it was a really influential book. 
Yeah, thank you very much. I, I think I would say it this way that because uh, I now know uh, in one of uh, you know Passy Selberg, don't you? The uh, Finnish yes. educator. Uh, one of his students did a uh, her thesis. Uh, and she just graduated in September uh, 2017, and she did her thesis on uh, Andy Hargraves and Michael Fullan. What was you know what were their frames of reference for change? And she said that in my case, uh, her conclusion was that something changed around 2010, and I actually agree with this, that a lot of the stuff I wrote before 2010 was uh, theoretical, even though it was grounded in some ways uh, by the argument. But since 2010, most of the writing has been highly applied uh, because we've been working on the practical problem. So I think I did shift from change forces, which mapped out yeah. the uh, – some of the theory to the latest books, which are much more applied. They they are, and I I tend to think of um, the challenge of change. Uh, your school improvement book from 2009 might have been yeah. the pivot point. I think so. Yeah, I did a book uh, also in 2010 that was called All Systems Go. Uh, Carwin published it, and it was. Uh, because we I, I start, have started as an advisor to the Premier of Ontario in 2004. So from that day on, we were applying the solutions. Uh, and then by the time I got six years later to 2010, we'd been doing right. it for six years, so I had something to say. And the, uh, the all systems go was that first statement of, okay, this is what it starts to look like when you try to do it. I have to mention Stratosphere. Do you know I uh, love that book? I, I remember talking to you about that. It's a beautiful, short, inspiring, yeah. applied, and informative book. So that was 2012. You, I remember that uh, discussion we had that year, which was, uh, and even Stratosphere was a bit theoretical because it was the emerging theory, like what's next, and uh, yes. and. And you really connected with it. We connected together. So basically, since what we've been doing since 2013 is implementing the ideas in Stratosphere. Uh, and you wrote a great book in 2015 on leadership and and then followed that up with a book with Mark Edwards, The Power of Unstoppable Momentum. Yeah. Uh, a great sort of an applied case study on Mooresville, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, the two we have done in succession recently in the last uh, two years, uh, and you, I know you know them, but uh, one is Coherence, where we, Joanne Quinn, who's one of my senior team members, we took the work we were doing with system change in California, for example, and in Ontario, some other places, and basically said this work is not about some uh, objective vision. It's about subjective coherence, how people come to go at all levels of the system come to uh, uh, collectively, uh, we, we define coherence as the shared depth of understanding about the nature of the work. So it's about subjective understanding, which you get by doing it. So that's been um, a big one. And the, the latest book we have is called uh, Deep Learning, Engage the World, Change the World. I'm looking forward to that one. I have not seen that one, um, but the themes I suspect um, are learning partnerships and learning environments and, and the common pedagogical practices and how you leverage digital tools. Do those themes come through? Yeah, those are exactly the themes, and you've uh, 
we we just had this deep learning lab in Vancouver where we had 500 people from uh, the seven countries we work in, which uh, on this uh, this topic, which are uh, Australia and Canada and Finland and the Netherlands and uh, New Zealand and Uruguay and the U.S. We have some work going on in, in three states. So that that uh, this book is the combination and it's close to what you want to talk about, which are what are the new credentials, how do we measure them, how do we shift into this. So uh, I hope when you get a chance to uh, to read it, it's only been out for five weeks, the book, that you will uh, – You'll get back, come back to me about about that, but I'm happy to talk about it today as well. I will. So let, let's shift gears and talk about this this uh, the potential for a better high school credential. Well, when you think about this, the big question of what should young people know and be able to do? Uh, yeah. How do you think about that? Yeah. So we've got this is I figure right now we're in um, 2018 is kind of a transformational year for this question. And uh, there's several indicators about that. But what I would say, because we're working on it in a lot of different ways, let me start in an odd way and say it this way. Is it possible, this is a rhetorical comment, is it possible for a student to get good grades all the way through right now, graduate with good grades, and still not be good at life? You and I know the answer to that, uh, which is, yeah, you can get good grades. Yeah. This is typical. So that's the kind of nexus we're on. And it's a bit tricky because, I mean, I can tell you where it should head, but the measurements aren't there yet. So I want to talk about uh, some of the basics like literacy, numeracy, high school graduation, and things that go with that, and even some of the common core. And this, to me, is uh, the last part of what uh, what is could happen before things change even more fundamentally. So to be more specific, the work we've been doing in California has led the governor and the state superintendent to change the assessment system. And they've moved away from the standardized test and created a new uh, set of indicators that are based on SBAC plus other indicators. And they have a dashboard and they, they do a lot of the right things. But I'm going to put it a little bit oddly and say, if you started to do well on literacy, numeracy, high school graduation, that's a very good thing to do, but it's not the future. It's it's consolidating where you where you need to be to get to the future in some ways. So so right to, to be very specific and then I'd like you to come back uh on me with, with this is we have said uh, in our own work, we have said that the uh the, the new global competencies and that's the language that PISA uses for its new work. It's the language that we use across Canada for where we're heading, the concept of global competencies. And for us, it's the six C's, we call them. And alphabetically, they're uh, character education, citizenship, collaboration, communication, uh, creativity, and critical thinking. So you recognize within there that the four 21st century skills, but we've also, because we've added collaboration and citizenship, uh, uh, the work we're doing now, you'll see it in the book uh, on deep learning and Gates World Change the World, is really uh, helping students uh, and teachers who work with students to develop these six core competencies. So if I were to think of credentials, I'm thinking of credentials in these six core, core competencies. 
you mentioned uh, a minute ago that we're better at measuring some of these things, perhaps communication than others, uh, like yeah. character and uh, character and collaboration. So, uh, should we be certifying in those areas, and if so, how how will that develop? Yeah, the measurement to me is tricky, and uh, the solution is not going to be so appealing to some political leaders I know. But the the, the general answer is we should shift to these new measures, uh, and so that that uh, those measures need to include uh, citizenship and character, all six. And we we ourselves have uh, protocols that um, and rubrics that can the, measure the assessment. Nobody has measured them adequately as a set of outcomes and OECD is starting on some of them but uh, nobody as yet has done that but I want to reinforce it by this way that several uh, jurisdictions have changed recently in the last 24 months their policies at the state level to get away from standardized tests as the endpoint I mean they still have them but they they don't think of it the, the endpoint so there's a there's a movement going on now at the uh, state level to question where we're going with these competencies. So I, by that I mean I'll just name the, the places that we know are doing this. Uh, Ontario is moving towards this new stuff. British Columbia is. Uh, new Zealand just did with their change of government uh, also did this recently. So when I say this, you start to see in the new policies at the state level or the country level. Uh, the global competencies as the uh, proper outcomes, the appropriate outcomes, the effective outcomes. Uh, that's, that's, so that's the trend. There's no question about it. And uh, part of this is it, it depends what you think of outcomes as a driver of change. And uh, I've written about this quite a bit. And it's, it's a tricky territory because I think uh, building better measurements of the outcomes is a driver of implementation, not an accountability mechanism. I mean, it serves that purpose, but that's the second purpose. The first purpose is to drive change motivationally and, and in terms of clarity for people who are doing it. So I've, well, having, you know, having said that, I think the frustration now for perhaps politicians is we haven't landed on a new system. So we're actually in a transition point where there's more ambiguity than clarity because of the nature of this big transformation from standardized tests to global competencies. But you and I have seen hundreds of examples of schools that are quite good at providing formative feedback uh, to students on these six dimensions and yeah. even charting the growth of students uh, across these dimensions measured in, in uh, measuring their application in many different settings. Yeah. Um, the challenge that you're speaking to is that it's still these measures are a bit too immature to aggregate yeah. to a school or a system level to make some quality judgments. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is the trick is to help states and systems advocate for appropriate outcomes without too quickly yeah. stuffing immature measures into old accountability systems. Yeah, yeah, and I I think, uh, I mean, some of those jurisdictions have said we'd rather go through ambiguity than, than to do the wrong thing. So that, you know, that's kind of 
where we are in some of those, but I still, you know, I still like, you know, the California solution, which is the SBAC in terms of uh, literacy, numeracy, high school you know, engagement, and quite a few other measures like that. But it doesn't quite go far enough. Uh, this, again, gets us back to what is a good citizen these days? What is a good educated person for the global uh, for the global situation we're, we're in the midst of? And how do the graduates simultaneously thrive as individuals and contribute to the collectivity? And that's what we're seeing uh, when you see our book on, on deep learning. You'll see hundreds of examples of students at all ages, as well as the teachers and some of the leaders, saying, "We um, we want to make a we need to help the world survive and get better." And that's what we think of as education. And we do the six C's as a route to get getting at that. So let's try to get specific as we can about the the practices that teachers use to certify uh, learning in in these dimensions, all of them, but particularly the newer, harder to measure ones. Yeah. How should we be certifying? I guess capturing and then helping young people communicate their uh, their growth and their capabilities. Well, I don't. Um... I'm not a um, – I mean, the, the measurement part that I prefer is to be uh, – I mean, I think we do have – if you take high-tech high, you, you will know high-tech high. Uh, they do quite a good job of portraying who their graduates are and how they're able to, to be this this good. So I think uh, to be – in some ways, I'd be satisfied with, uh, for starters, with the California solution which is you really start to produce students who are um, who are skilled in literacy, they're skilled in they're engaged in, in learning. You can have the we've had these uh, uh, you know demonstrated for quality parts. So I'm satisfied with the current uh, measurement of the newer places which put less emphasis on punitive accountability and more emphasis on reading making and meeting the basic standards so to me i don't mind that as a solution because it reduces the likelihood that the bad measures are steering us in the wrong way uh with the with the new measures i'm not sure uh where i land uh that is to say i know that we want to measure those competencies this particularly the six c's they are measurable um and because some people do them in subparts but uh, I'm kind of a bit uh, in a transition period as to whether to bump up the system that systematically measures, for example, the six C's. And the particular ones that are more important actually are three of those for me. That's character, citizenship, and creativity. Those are catalytic C's, I call them. They're very powerful. They are measurable, but I'm not sure I want to see them, people march towards careful measurement Right, but how how might we help a young person communicate uh, their growth and some of their uh, accomplishments in those categories to employers and institutions of higher learning? Um, well, I think you get uh, – we know in our uh, – the schools uh, – we have about 1,200 schools in the seven countries doing this. And uh, what they're what they're trying to do, and I can name schools and systems that are doing this, they're producing students who employee employers like, 
they like the quality. So teamwork, which is collaboration, uh, clear communication, clear communication. Uh, another great one, character, which is, you know, the reliability and perseverance of that. That's what they like. That's what they've been asking for for ages. And we can document, uh, we can document it that way, uh, in terms of the outcomes. But the other, we haven't, you, you and I haven't talked about in this conversation. The other big thing for us is equity. And this is much more complicated. You know that the gap between those that are doing well and those aren't doing well since 1990 has increased. So the inequity has increased for a lot since 1990. And we, in our deep learning, we have this in our book quite a bit, is we are finding that deep learning, which uh, I'll say deep learning, uh, the simple definition is uh, uh, quality learning that sticks with you the rest of your life. That's how I think of it as a general terms. Uh, but we're we're also finding that deep learning is not only good for all, but it's especially good for students that are disconnected from regular schooling. So I'm way back now at early learning all the way through, not at the graduation level, because what we're trying to do, the, the solution for those students who are disaffected is twofold. One is good learning, and the other one is belongingness. You could use different words for belongingness, but but uh, but how to figure out how to connect to students who are traditionally or recently disconnected because they're alienated and other reasons that they've got disadvantage. Uh, we're finding our deep learning is really picking up those students. Uh, I, I call it in a tweet sense. I call it uh, uh, smarten up, don't dumb down. And so what we're talking, we're talking about dealing with students who don't do well, but uh, in traditional schooling, but in deep learning, they actually do very well. Even on traditional measures, they do well. So I think this, uh, this solution that we're talking about now also has to be addressed to, uh, to the question of inequity very explicitly. And the results of good equity is, um, not just, I, I don't like college and career readiness. I know what you've been uh, done some great stuff on it. Uh, it's more like life readiness that we're talking about, and, and maybe college and career sort of steers it in a way that uh, is not as desirable at the end of the day, given our conversation we've had you right. and I are having right now. Right. No, it, it's it's uh, it, it's clear that um, a lot of the reform work, including that that I was involved in. Um, Starting 15 years ago, was became rather reductionist in the view of college and career readiness. Sort of, yeah, you know, get, finish your what California calls A to G requirements, the the courses and credits, and pass a uh, an AccuPlacer or a Compass, um, what Mark Tucker used to call sort of university uh, ready and eligible without remediation. And yeah. That, you know that uh, that's a, a narrow, but it felt like a high bar uh, for getting all students to that level. Uh, um, but it it did uh, for this really deep prioritize the life ready skills that uh, you've been talking about that are uh, even more important than ever today. Yeah, yeah, and you know when the when the career aspirations were established. The new problem became the, the poor performance at community colleges and universities, the dropout rate, because they really weren't right. ready to go up that level. And then not to mention most of the stuff that's really connected to belongingness and to efficacy now has to do with uh, 
not just the intellectual um, thinking, but the hands-on solve problem solving, uh, the maker movement, and the, the the engineering design mindset, and all of those things that take us into a different kind of um, social emotional development. That's not just right. academic development. So it sounds like you're interested in helping young people build a, a portfolio of personal best that they can share with colleges and employers. I, in addition to that, are you um, uh, are you interested in in micro credentials or badges as as part of a system of communicating capability? I don't feel I know enough about that end of the solution to tell you the truth that to come down uh, definitively. I think the uh, you know the portfolio is the important ones, but I'll also I can uh, I can see you know before long that all six C's I'm talking about are measurable. You can measure citizenship. You can measure even creativity, as Ken Robinson keeps telling us, Uh, certainly character. It's just that they haven't been brought together in the same domain. So I want, um, if it were a portfolio, I would want to be rounded in relation to the six C's. If it were particular measurements, I'd like it to include that. And uh, if the micro-credentials, I'm not, really sure about that phenomenon along the way. They seem to be good ideas. Uh, so I just, I really think, and you know more about this than I do, that the accountability measurement system is in flux right now, and we haven't landed on what should be the future in relation to that. But, Michael, I, uh, you've been at this for, I don't know, almost five decades. Uh, you You must be heartened by the momentum that you see around uh, deep learning in the United States, finally, and uh, and even more so around the world. Yeah, I, I am, because I think it's, um, it's pushing upward to the assessment system. Uh, and, you know, one, some people can think, well, if we got assessment right, we could pull people upward towards it. Well, to me, it's a push problem as much as a pull problem. And what we're now seeing, um, I mean, it's just incredible. The uh, I think of uh, whole systems that I'm talking about, districts that have a uh, hundred schools. They're doing this deep learning, and their students are the students are agents of change. The students are articulating. Um, you know, they're basically saying, "I don't want to be a citizen ten years from now. I want to be a citizen of tomorrow, today. The world needs me. We need action. We need to do this." So the groundswell which uh, was, uh, you know, hardly there at uh, at all even three years ago in, in numbers, you know, critical mass, is now doing there. So I'm, I am, as you just said, I'm optimistic because you can't, you can't stop the upward push for this anymore. Right. You know, people aren't going to just lay back and t- take it. And we've had for the last 10 years, thanks to your work and others, that you've, we've had uh, exceptions of schools and subsystems that have done something different, but they've been clearly in the minority. This time, I think it's going to be much more um, affecting the whole system. Well, um, Michael Fullen, I suspect <laughs> it's also a function of your 45 books and your uh, the energy you've put to connecting educators around the world uh, to, to deep learning practices. So we... We deeply appreciate your work and your uh, your time to join us on the Getting Smart podcast. Well, yeah, thank you. And I, I, I do predict that this next 12 months 
we're going to see a lot more uh, specificity and more uh, critical mass of this that we're talking about. So uh, after you get a chance to read our book on deep learning, I'm happy to talk again. But my prediction is there is a groundswell underway. And 12 months from now, it'll be a lot bigger. And 24 months, even more bigger and more big. And and this is... Uh, this is qual qualitatively as well as quantitatively different than anything we've seen in the last uh, 50 years. I I agree with you. I, we're we're turning a corner to something new and important, and it's it's so timely that we are because I believe we're in a new age. Um, this automation economy, the the. Uh, innovation age where the skills that you've talked about today, Michael, are just more critical than ever. So it can't come fast enough and you've done more than anybody to help make this change happen. So we, we deeply appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Wow, what a treat it was to talk with Michael Fullen. We share his optimism about global momentum around deeper learning. Want to visit a deeper learning school? Listen to our walking tour of Design Tech High Season 3, Episode 25. Don't worry about grabbing a pen. We'll include it in the show notes and on the blog. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out hundreds of posts under the topic Deeper Learning on GettingSmart.com. Thank you again to Michael for chatting with us today. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing off.